0: 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15. And if you don't have a Bible with you, there's one in front of you, and the uh, chairs in front of you should find a, a Bible there. And in fact, if you do not have a Bible, we'd like to make this a gift to you today. Um, and in the Pew Bible, we're on page 961, if you're using that, that one. 1 Corinthians 15. So can you imagine that morning as uh, Mary and the other women came to the grave and it was empty and as later Peter and John ran and found, sure enough, it was empty. And that later on, Jesus appears to them in the upper room where they're all huddled together and just through the walls appears to them. Can you imagine the, the joy and the celebration that took place then? This was the ultimate come-from-behind victory. This is like when you're, your team is so far behind, there's no chance that they'll win, but somehow they keep scoring, and the other team doesn't score, and they keep scoring. There's no way they can win, but they keep scoring, and by the end of the game, last second, they win, and the crowd erupts in joy, and that's just a very small taste of what this was like. That Jesus Christ, their, their Lord, that they've been following this time, they've pinned their hopes on, who, who died on the cross, is now alive again. That was a celebration. And so we continue the celebration even now, more than 2,000 years later. Every Easter we come together in a unique way across the world. Millions upon millions of people celebrating this event. And it is a celebration, but it is more than that. And uh, in fact, our eternal life depends upon it. And we see in First Corinthians 15, the first four verses. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel, which I preached to you, which also you received and in which you stand, And by which you are saved. If you hold fast that word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain or in an empty way, for I delivered you first of all that which I also received that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. That is the gospel message by which also we are saved. If we believe that Jesus died for our sins, we confess our sins to him, we know he died for them, and we know he also rose from the dead, we believe in that, then you shall be saved. This is the, the gospel in just a few words. It's the core of the gospel message. And so we celebrate this, but it is more than just a celebration. It is certainly that, but we have not properly understood the meaning of the resurrection uh, unless you understand that it is meant for you to form in you a lifestyle, a way of living. We have not properly understood the resurrection unless we are living in light of the resurrection. That is, unless it makes a difference in your life. It's not just something we celebrate once a year, but it's a life-changing event, and it should be that way for you. And so this whole chapter, 1 Corinthians 15, speaks in great detail of the theology of the resurrection. But it doesn't just end with a note of celebration. It ends with a call. It ends with a call to... a To live in light of the resurrection. So, we're not going to look at the whole chapter, uh, but I do commend it to you. It'd be great for you to read it on your own, perhaps later today. Uh, But we'll jump in at verse 50 of this chapter. We're eventually going to land on verse 58 and spend our time there, but uh, just getting a running start to it, starting in verse 50. Paul says, Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. That is, these bodies cannot make it to heaven. Flesh and blood can't make it there. They won't survive there. This corruptible body must put on incorruption. We must have an imperishable uh, heavenly body Given to us. Which is part of the promise. of The resurrection. That the life that we'll have for eternity. Is going to be in a body fit for heaven. And then verse 51. <clears throat> verse 51 ought to be written over every nursery. Behold I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. But we shall all be changed. That is. This is a euphemism for sleep. We're we're not all going to die, but we're all going to be changed as have a a different body given to us. And this is going to happen in a moment, in, in the twinkling of an eye, which is pretty fast, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed to that new heavenly body. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, this mortal must put on immortality. So when that happens, when, when this corruptible has put on incorruption, and, and when this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O, o death, where is your sting? For the sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, based on all that, therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain, in the Lord. The resurrection is not just something we celebrate, it is something we live. Remember at the occasion of Jesus' uh, raising of Lazarus back uh, from the dead. Lazarus had been dead for four days, and Jesus gets to Bethany and he's talking with Martha and Mary just before he raises Lazarus back to life. And he, he tells Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. And you can picture him looking intently at her as he asked this question Do you believe this? Do you believe this? Do you believe this? Do you believe this? this? Because it isn't just about the resurrection, it's about the life. I am the resurrection and the life. So if someone watched a video of you this coming week, would they say at the end of the week, now, now there's a person who, who thinks and acts and responds and the, their behavior of life could, could only be someone who lives in light of the resurrection. The the way this man treats his wife is proof that he's living in light of the resurrection. Uh, Or the way this parent loves and cares is formed by the resurrection. The way this worker is a testimony at work is because his life is formed by the resurrection. The way this student is a Testimony for Christ at the university is because they're living in light of the resurrection. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. And he would ask us this morning, do you believe this? So what does it mean to have a resurrection mentality? What does it mean to live in light of the resurrection well, that's what we're going to see in verse 58 here this morning. And in this verse, Paul, writing under inspiration of the Holy Spirit, gives us three statements about what it means to live in light of the resurrection. First of all, he says that it is a life of unusual stability. He words it this way Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable. So is your life a picture of that kind of stability? Is it firmly anchored in the gospel of Jesus Christ? Or are you blown about by the the winds of circumstance? Are you blown about by the difficulties of relationships? Are you blown about by the harsh realities of life in a fallen world? Are you blown about by disappointment or temptation, or sin. The empty tomb teaches us three things about God upon which we can build a stable life to be steadfast and immovable. And here's the first thing. The empty tomb is a demonstration that God is faithful. Everything he promises, he will do. And his promise began all the way back in the the Garden of Eden, and the very first sin. And in that occasion, even while he is uh, giving the curse upon Adam and Eve and the serpent and even the ground because of the sin, as if in the same breath, he's also giving the answer to the sin. He's giving a promise of deliverance that one day a deliverer will come. And it's the promise all the way from Genesis 3.15 through hundreds of years, through thousands of years, as God is developing his, his plan through the ages, all leading towards the time of that culminating event of all history, the cross of Christ, where all the promises of deliverance from the Old Testament up to then are finally and fully fulfilled when Jesus dies for our sins and rises from the grave. And now we are past that looking back at, at this saying, look at how God fulfilled His every promise. He is faithful. He's a faithful God to send His Son to the cross. He's a faithful God to raise Him from the dead just as He had promised. The stone could not hold His Son in the grave because God had promised, because God is faithful. Therefore, Be steadfast. And because God is unchangeable, therefore be immovable. You live in a world in which uh, you will face a lot of things which will not be faithful to you. That new thing you just bought will break the day after your warranty runs out. The friend you have confided in may betray you even as Jesus was betrayed by Judas. The the institutions of man will fail you. The thing you have put your hopes in will fail you. You will fail you. Your dreams may die. Your hopes diminish. But there is one who will never, ever, ever, ever fail you. He is faithful to everything He has promised. And the empty tomb is empirical evidence that God is faithful. He is faithful to His every promise. He is faithful to His promises to you. And so you can be steadfast in Him because He is faithful. Secondly, God is awesome in power. Not only is He faithful to His promises, He has the power to fulfill all His promises. Promises, just as he has promised. Have you, have you ever made a promise as noble intentioned as you are, and you just were not able to fulfill it for whatever reason? If you're searching for an answer, it's yes. We've we've all been there, but there is no limit to the power of God. Not only did he have the power to create the the heavens and the earth and everything that is in them, he had the power to raise Jesus from the dead. And since he could do that in his power, what can he do about your problems? Does he have the power for that as well? The amazing thing is that Scripture tells us that this resurrection power is now available to us as well because as children of God, we have the Spirit of God within us. The the Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in us as believers. We have that power in us. We're not left to live life in our own power. Do you ever feel like life is... Too big. It's it's just too overwhelming, too complicated, too confusing, too too hard. Well, there is resurrection power in the Lord. This is why the Apostle Paul exclaimed in uh, Philippians three ten, Oh, that I might know the power of His resurrection." God is awesome in power, and He empowers us for godly living in His resurrection power. In His power, we can be steadfast and immovable. And God is gracious. Not only is God faithful and powerful, God is gracious. Who of us could stand before God and say, God, based on what I've done, the kind of life I've lived, I deserve entry into heaven. Well, none of us could. We are all dependent on His grace, and if it were not for His grace, none of us could go. None of us deserve it. God, in His grace, sent His Son to die on the cross And in his grace to rise from the dead. Why? So that you could have life. So that you could have abundant life. So that you could stand. That you could know in the midst of life that you have a gracious God. That he is powerful. That he is faithful. That he is gracious to you. In every instance of your life you can stand and be immovable. Not only does the resurrection provide for us a, a life of unusual stability, but also, secondly, an abundant life. It's the next phrase here. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, and notice, always abounding. In the work of the Lord. Always abounding. I love those words. In John chapter 10 verse 10. Jesus promises as the great shepherd. That he came to not only give life. But give abundant life to his sheep. To his followers. To abound is to be enthusiastic and Hopeful and motivated and fruitful and courageous in life. And the resurrection chose the way. Since we believe that not only did Jesus die, uh, die for our sins, but he rose from the dead. And he said that those who believe in him will rise from the dead also. Since we believe in that power. That resurrection power. Then what should we be afraid of? What is greater than that power? And this power is a transforming power. In the power of the resurrection, I believe that broken marriages can be healed. In the power of the resurrection, I believe that those addicted to uh, pornography can be delivered. In the power of the resurrection, I believe that rebellious children can be submissive. In the power of the resurrection, I believe that those who are fearful can have courage. In the power of the resurrection, I believe that those who are depressed can know hope and walk in hope again. In the power of the resurrection, I believe that those who have substance abuse issues can know victory. In the power of the resurrection, we can be steadfast, immovable, And always abounding. Why? Notice verse 57. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory. Through our Lord Jesus Christ. He gives us the victory. Through Christ. Therefore. Because of that. He has given you the victory. Therefore be steadfast. Immovable always abounding in the work of the Lord. The resurrection shows that we can do more than just survive. We can thrive. We can and should live in victory because of it. Because of the resurrection, we be we believe in life. We believe in abundant life. We believe in eternal life. We believe in transformation. We believe in victory. We believe in the resurrection we believe. Listen, you can't believe and be passive. It should flip a switch in you because he lives and I can have this abundant life in him. Always abounding. Notice that the rest of what that phrase says, always abounding in the work of the Lord. So we notice that the, the purpose of this abounding life is not my leisure, but the Lord's work. It is not to abound in my own comfort, but to abound in courage and confidence in the work of the Lord. So, for instance, uh, The reason in the resurrection power, someone who is fearful can find courage is not just for them to feel better about themselves, but to find courage so that they can live for the Lord, so that they can work for the Lord, so that their life will be a testimony for the Lord, abounding, therefore, in the work of the Lord. It is a life that is abounding for Him, A life that is abounding for Him. Hear these words from John MacArthur on this verse. He says, what a word Paul gives to the countless Christians who work and pray and give and suffer as little as they can. How can we be satisfied with the trivial, insignificant, short-lived things of the world? How can we take it easy when so many around us are dead spiritually and so many fellow believers are in need of edification, encouragement, and every sort of help? When can a Christian say, I've served my time, I've done my part, let others do the work now? We're to be always, always abounding in the work of the Lord. And in the resurrection power, we can and should always be abounding. You might say, well, but I'm pooped. That's not a biblical word. (laughs) But I get you. I, I know what that's about. But you see, it's, It's in his power. It's because of the resurrection power that is available to you that you and I can always be abounding in the work of the Lord. Not only does the resurrection lead to a life of unusual stability and an abundant life for the Lord, but lastly, it leads to a life that counts. Here's the last phrase of that verse, knowing, so you're certain of this, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. It's a life that counts. Knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. The gospel and especially the resurrection is the lens through which we should view all of life and interpret all of life. Because of the resurrection, all that we do for the Lord has purpose and meaning. All of it does. God never wastes anything in our lives. It is never vain. It is never empty. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17, Paul writes, For our light affliction... Which is but for a moment is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. For our light affliction. Now let me remind you of Paul's light affliction. He was beaten. He was whipped. He was stoned to the point that they thought he had died. They drug his lifeless body out of town. He calls this our momentary light affliction. It's momentary because in comparison to eternity. But he says that even this, even the, the, the negative things, even the affliction that we suffer, even that is, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. So even the negative things God is using in your life, he wastes nothing He is using that in your life. I don't care what it is. How bad it is. He is using it. And you may not see it now. You may not see it for a long time or ever. But he is using it. And it's working in you. It's it's at work. It's active in you. To bring about. The eternal weight of glory. He says. Therefore we do not lose heart. If even. The negative things are working in us. All that we do in the Lord has purpose and meaning. Because of the empty tomb, we do not lead, lead empty lives. Yes, we, we live in a fallen world. Yes, there is in this life hardship and Hard things. Yes, you are going to experience suffering and trials. Listen, we don't live in denial, but we also don't live in defeat because of the resurrection. We trust in God's purpose, we rely on God's power, we rest in God's promises, and He is faithful. The reason I believe that the Holy Spirit leads Paul to in this way is because he knows our hearts. And he knows that this side of heaven, there is a war being waged on the turf of our hearts every day. It's a war between faith and doubt, between courage and fear, between disappointment and hope, between temptation and righteousness. There's a war every day. So today, anchor your heart in this gospel truth, in this resurrection truth, because Jesus died for your sin, and he rose again to give you life, an abundant life, that you might live in light of the resurrection, that you might have a rock-solid confidence in this life, that, that God is faithful that God is powerful that God is gracious and he has conquered sin and he has conquered death because of that you can be steadfast in this life because of that you can have an abundant life because of that you can know that you have a life that counts for eternity and we can live with courage and with hope with conviction and with assurance Do you believe this? Do you believe this? Maybe you're thinking, I don't know if I've ever believed this. I don't have that kind of hope or assurance. Well, Jesus came to give you life. Call out to him. Cry out to him. He is faithful. He will not turn you away. He is powerful. He can transform your heart and your life. He is gracious. He is ready to welcome you into his family. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the blessed truth of the resurrection. That it not only has great eternal value and meaning for you, but for us as well. Because you said that not only are you the resurrection and the life, but those who believe in you will have life as well. Eternal life. Abundant life. A life that is steadfast and immovable. A life that is abounding for you. A life that has purpose and meaning. And you graciously grant it to us. Lord I pray for any who. Who don't know the reality of this. Have not experienced it yet. In their own heart. In a personal way. That they might confess. That they have sinned against you. Holy God. That they might place their trust. In the fact that Jesus Christ. Died for those very sins. And that he rose again. To defeat death and grant life. To all who trust In Him. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.